Welcome to the Divorced and Happy Podcast, where we discuss all things act two. I'm your host, Sadie Marie. This month, we are celebrating women's history, and it was important to me to include a conversation about female empowerment, not just in the boardroom, but also in the bedroom. I know after my divorce, I experienced what I call my sexual renaissance, and I have been 100% sex positive ever since. I'm excited to discuss this and all things related to post-divorce pleasure with my guest, Dr. Ina, a licensed psychologist and sex therapist. Dr. Ina is a graduate of Spelman College, New York University, and Georgia State University, and completed postgraduate training in sexual health at the University of Michigan. She's also the founder and executive director of Positively Intimate, LLC. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Ina. How are you? Hi, I'm great. Thank you for having me. Good. I'm so excited for our juicy and delicious chat today. So sex therapist, what led to this niche? It's a great niche. I grew up in a very open household, you know, so um, when it with regards to sex and sexuality. So I didn't have any hangups until I got to college. (laughs) And I realized that a lot of people had hangups. And so I was, I was shamed. Or did you? No, well, I mean, I I went to a private university. I went to Spelman College. Okay. Um, You know, our motto is our whole, our whole school for Christ, but it's not, um, it wasn't a religious school. Okay. However, comma, (laughs) (laughs) um, a lot of people are raised in very religious households. And so I was starting to get, I was being shamed for being open um, and talking about sex. What we call now sex positive. Sex positive, right. In the 90s, it was just open. (laughs) Open. (laughs) I love all the terms are always changing. You know that as a psychologist. So college- cause you to kind of pause and feel like what's going I, on. Right. And so I, I realized that not everyone came from such a sex positive background as I did. And it kind of pushed me into a little closet with regard to being so open about how I felt about sex and sexuality. And so over the years, that's just kind of built up. Like, why do we have all this shame and guilt around such a natural, healthy- Part of who we are, our humanity. Exactly. And do you see exactly. that more with female clients or am I generalizing when I say that? It's generalizing. I think okay. female clients get, have a, the hangups are different. Um, so the shame around sex for women, it's usually about just whether or not you have sex, right? Or before marriage or, you know, we're told don't have sex until you're married and that's it. I was told that all the time. Yes. <laughs> and so you get on the other side of marriage and you don't know what to do. But for men, you know, they're told women aren't supposed to have sex until they're, you know, they're told don't have sex until you're married. Wink, wink. Right. So they're told it. But and so but they have this they get the same message that women are supposed to be pure. And so it affects them and how they relate to their spouse when it you know, when it comes to sex or even just women in general, their views of women and whether or not a woman is sex positive or not can affect how they interact with that woman. So what does it mean to be Let's just talk to our audience about what it means to be sex positive. Let's get rid of the shame for a minute and just talk about what does that mean? If you're saying I'm sex positive, because I'm saying that now and it's fun. (laughs) It is fun because positive. I love sex. Give me more. It's delicious. Exactly. Sex positive is just about being open to your own pleasure, like being 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 available 
in a space where you can receive and give pleasure and live like an, have an amazing sex life. It's sex positive is not shame. It's the opposite of shame and guilt. It is allowing other people to express themselves in whatever sexual way they choose to. If it doesn't impose upon you, then, you know, if you like it, I love it. It's sort of how it goes. So being sex positive is really just allowing folks to find their pleasure and being okay with whatever that looks like. So today we're going to talk about pleasure and post-divorce pleasure, which I'm so excited about. Now you've been divorced. I know you're remarried, but you, you've been divorced. And when Mm -hmm. you were divorced, did you have the same phenomenon that I and many women have had where you just want a lot of sex? Yes. (laughs) Yes. Um. (laughs) I I love that direct answer. Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, I mean, it comes from two places. One, if you've been in a situation, you know, toward the end of a marriage, when, when divorce is inevitable, you've pulled away from each other. So you're really, I mean, occasionally you might just kind of go back to, because like, I really need some and you're safe right now. Correct. Yes. (laughs) Right. Um, But for the most part, you're not having regular sex. You're not even liking that person. You may not even like yourself at that point. And so pleasure is really not on the forefront of your mind. Not sexual pleasure, at least. Correct. Happiness is on the forefront. Like, what do I need to do to get get out of this unhappy situation? (laughs) Right. Surviving. Yes. Yes. So once that once that weight is lifted, that's the point when you're like, I want to experience all the pleasure and happiness that I can find. And sex is one of those ways to do that. The other thing is that a lot of women get divorced around 30, you know, after 35. So and between 35 and 40, there's this sexual surge that happens for women where it's like fun sexual surge let's hear more about (laughs) that it's like the and the way I conceptualize it, it's like your body's last stitch effort to get pregnant even if you're not trying to get pregnant but your body's like look lady we got (laughs) so many years left (laughs) time is yes urgency yes and so your body starts to crave sex it sure does because yes right (laughs) because it's about procreation right in the biological like most basic sense um, so when your body starts to crave sex like that, you you know, you want to satisfy that itch, so to speak. You want to get the pleasure from that. So and it's so very normal. Very normal. That after a divorce, you are wanting a lot of sex. Yes. And you have two things going on. You're finally free from whatever oppression may have been going on before or that caused you to that led to the divorce and this sexual surge that is biologically normal, whether you're married or not. Divorced, single, married, 35 to 40 is where it begins, and it just keeps going up from there. So the surge is normal, and the surge is real. Yes. Yes. So, <laughs> ladies, go for it, literally. <laughs> yes. Yes. Now, I want you to talk more to the listeners about your acronym, MLS. Okay. So um, <laughs> that is Moisturize, Lube, and Stretch. And so... Also, after 40, you may start to find some decreases in moisture and lubrication, um, natural lubrication. This is this is correct. The estrogen um, levels and, are lowering. Yes, your estrogen and your testosterone is low, lowering. Women have a little I bit of testosterone. Have, yes, that's important. And so as that drops, you find that... Um, you're not, you, you're still aroused, but your body's not responding the way uh, it used to. So, and I've, um, I'll just speak uh, for myself. I've, I've had that happen and mm-hmm. I've, in the moment I found it embarrassing and frustrating. And yes. I made a visit to my OBGYN and he mm-hmm. was very reassuring that again, like you're saying, this is totally normal. 
And he encouraged water-based lubricant. Yes, water and or aloe-based lubricants are your friend. I'm going to say a brand name. We don't endorse it, but uh, it's not an endorsement. I don't get any money right, if right, you go right. out and Nor purchase do I. it. But we'd like to hear right. what you so, think is a good product. Sure. Sliquid is what it's called. Liquid H2O. It is really nice because it doesn't have a, it doesn't have a a scent. There's no, it doesn't have any parabens. It's great for sensitive skin and it doesn't taste bad. So important, (laughs) you know, sometimes you're using a lube and you get it in place, you know, you get it in your mouth. Uh, It can go in many places. Yes, exactly. So it's, it's safe, it's friendly and it doesn't taste bad. (laughs) So water-based lubrication, okay, moisturize. Talk about that. So you, um, some doctors will prescribe a estrogen cream, which is a moisturizer. You you wouldn't just go out and get this over the counter, but you can get a you know moisturizer. Like you can use coconut oil, you know, a virgin uh, coconut oil, or like a over the counter uh, moisturizer. Uh, Replens is a brand. Again, I don't in, not endorsing this brand. I don't get any money for saying these brand names. I just want you to know what's out there. Sure. And that is now some women did this when they were pregnant. So if you have children, you may have done this before where you take a lubricant and you use your fingers and you stretch your vagina so that you don't get an episiotomy. You don't have to have an episiotomy when you have, they don't do that anymore, but so you didn't tear when you had a baby. If you didn't do that, you really, you can literally go on YouTube and find a video that uh, about moisturizing and stretching. So and a this woman right at my here, age, I'm done having mm-hmm. babies not having any more babies. So Dr. INA, what, okay. So moisturizing and lubrication, how is that different? I'm a little gray. Like what's the difference? So moisturizing is, is actually like something that you use even when you're not having sex. So you want to moisturize and keep it, keep that area moisturized on a regular basis. So once a day or once every other day, you want to use some sort of moisturizer if you are having dryness. Only if you're having dryness. Only if you're having dryness. (laughs) I'm sorry. That's okay. That's okay. Otherwise, you're good. The the body's Otherwise you're good. Same. If you're okay. if you if you have a good moist environment, then you just leave it. Even if you have no trouble with lubrication, I would recommend lube. I would recommend you get a travel size lube and take it everywhere you go. I sure do. <laughs> and you get a big lube. one and put I it love in your my lube. I'm yes. a lube lover. A, so, one should be in your nightstand, one should be in your travel bag. Okay. And then the stretching, so, oh, go ahead, finish your thought on the lubrication. And the, for with lube, you want to even, like I said, even if you lubricate on your own, what the research shows is that women who use lubricant have stronger orgasms, even oh, if you sound of that. already lubricate or already lubricated. So yeah. So run Definitely right now, go on lube. Amazon, get your water-based lubrication, treat yourself, yes. ladies. You're worth it. Get the lubrication. Okay. Now, so the stretching. So why would I, I'm not looking to have any more children, so I'm not worried about that, but why would I, a woman my age, be stretching? So you only want to stretch if you're having issues with um, tightness. So a lot of times what comes with a lack of moisture or dryness is a tightening of the vulva, of of the opening. And so the stretching is really just so that you, so that it, so that it doesn't continue to, to tighten. Now, okay. some how tightening stretch. How does one stretch? You just, you basically take two fingers, okay, and you take two fingers in each hand, <laughs> okay, and you insert them just inside, and then you and then you rub the moist. This you're gonna have the oil on your finger, like coconut oil or the replens on your fingers, and you just 
rubbed down. Okay. And, and like I said, there are YouTube videos out there that will explain to you how to do the stretching. And would you search under stretching? I mean, what would you search under? Under um, uh, vagina stretching. Yes. Vagina stretching. I have never officially done this. I'm going to check it out. And the benefit and is just to have. It's, it's so that sex is more comfortable. So, so when you start to dry, you lose elasticity in your tissue. The tissue starts, uh, could start to atrophy. And this is, again, this is only if you're having dryness. significant dryness. Okay. And if you're having significant issues with like pain, you do want to talk to your, um, to your gynecologist. Sure. Uh, if you, if your gynecologist does not specialize in sexual disorders, then you want to ask for a referral. You can, there, there are medical professionals, nurse, uh, nurse practitioners. There are actually physical therapists that work with pelvic pain. Um, and so if you're having vaginal pain or pelvic pain during sex, you want to talk to your doctor. Your doctor actually can demonstrate for you and help you figure out how to do the stretching as well. Okay. So moisturize, lube, and stretch. MLS. Mm -hmm. All right. Fantastic. Now, toys. Let's talk about toys. I am a big fan of my purple vibrator. Like my lube, mm -hmm. I travel with my vibrator, have a lot of fun. Obviously, during COVID, I had a lot of quality time with my vibrator, as did many women. I am certain of this. So do you have any toys that you especially recommend or encourage for we divorced ladies to enhance our sexual experiences. We're all ears. Yes, definitely something that it has a clitoral stimulator on it, even if it's clitoral stimulation only. So there is this myth out there that if that mature women have orgasms, vag vaginal orgasms with intercourse or penetration, that is a myth. It is so a myth. I'm so happy you're saying this right now. Let's say it again really clearly. So orgasms come from different places and it is not more mature or better or anything to have a vaginal orgasm via intercourse. Actually, the majority of women have orgasms from clitoral stimulation or nipple stimulation over intercourse. So vibrators can absolutely enhance the stimulation of the clitoris, which... Yes. How is a how I orgasm like many yes. women. And if I don't like have that the majority of like women. the majority. And if I don't have that stimulation, it's it's just not happening for me. And and there aren't very many positions with in male female heterosexual intercourse. There are very few positions that allow for clitoral stimulation. Only a well-skilled man <laughs> can get can get you both um, with and that's really with missionary or you can get it yourself with riding or reverse cowgirl like that way, but that's really it. I mean, right. I most positions that, that usually I leave utilize the clitoris my vibrator during intercourse yes. to help me have an orgasm. Yes. It has nothing Fingers, to do with my partner. It's nothing. Vibrators. Correct. All of that is helpful. And it, like you said, it doesn't have anything to do with your partner. It doesn't not mean they're not doing it right. It doesn't mean, doesn't mean that I you're not getting it. pleasure Correct. from it. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So I think that's something also women need to hear that it's okay to use a toy or some type of enhancement when you're mm -hmm. having intercourse so that you can also have an orgasm. Yes. And it's okay for men to have toys as well. Absolutely. What toys do you recommend for the men? I recommend cock rings. I what recommend is a cock ring, uh, Dr. Ionate. It, so they come in different materials, but usually it's a silicone, like a silicone ring that goes over the penis at the base of the penis. 
It helps to maintain an erection. It can make an uh, already erect penis harder, but it and it also can delay ejaculation if if that's an issue. A lot of benefits. Yes. <laughs> yes. And so it's been and if and they're also vibrating cock rings that Ooh, give you bonus that 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 are double pleasure for both the man and the woman. Cock rings. So I have never been with a man who's brought his own cock ring. Mm-hmm. So how do you how do you in a partnership bring that up? Because you know I bring my I bring my toys and I bring my lubrication and do you think it's okay to bring that up to your partner about? Hey, why don't you? Why don't let's let's try this out? Definitely, I think if you if you can't communicate what your needs and wants are with your partner, you probably shouldn't be having sex with them. <laughs> well, there um, are things as more casual sex in the world of yes, being single, where you don't necessarily I, have a conversation. I, I st- that's still your sexual prior. partner in the moment, and you may not have free conversations, but it's. Sex is the most intimate place you can be with a person. It's the most vulnerable you can put yourself in. And so in that vulnerable space, you should be able to say anything, absolutely anything. Okay. Saying, I mean, saying anything. I have a couple questions about, because I would love okay. your advice from the expert. You had talked about the cock ring and, and, and how it helps with uh, maintaining, maintaining an erection, causing them a, a man more pleasure, et cetera. So let's talk about the, the awkward moment when you're intimate with a partner who say is a newer partner mm-hmm. and he is not able to either well maintain an erection for long. I mean, hopefully he can have one, but let's say he can't maintain. I've been in a situation where with different men where they've just not been able to maintain an erection. And then mm-hmm. it becomes honestly quite awkward because I feel I have felt in those moments that the onus is on me and I'm supposed to do something to fix that situation. And I can't always, whatever I try isn't always the remedy. So right. what, what in that type of situation with partners that, you know, when we're in our forties for men and women, things change. I get that. And how can we make that less awkward? What, what can, I mean, I think it's, it, I mean, it's definitely going to be awkward anyway. So, it, <laughs> so there's no getting I around the le- awkward moment. Okay. It's, it's not, I say lean into the awkwardness, you know? Um, how would you lean and- in? I'd love your, I'd love some advice on this. Because it's happened to me enough to know that I'd like next time it happens to have a better plan. Yes. <laughs> so um, I, I think one way to lean in is to, you know, is to have a conversation in that moment. If you're not going to continue, if you if you see that it's not going to continue, um, you know, you can ask, what do you need from me now? But with the understanding that it is not on you to make it work or to make it better in that moment. It's not your job. It, it's just like, it's not his job to make you wet. It is not your job to, to make him erect. And so his mind may be wandering, you know, like uh, men in their forties typically have a lot going on, on in their minds and they can be easily distracted from the moment. Some men in their forties, oh, well, one thing I want to say for any man listening, if you're having regular issues with, uh, with, erectile with your erection. If you're not able to achieve and maintain an erection, if you're not having spontaneous erections in your sleep, then you need to see a doctor immediately. The first sign of heart dis- disease in men is erectile dis- dysfunction, right? So I did not know you this. don't want to leave that and think, oh, this is just this one time or, right. oh, I'm just not whatever. 
If it's happening repeatedly, get yourself to a doctor immediately, immediately. Um, because within two years, most men with erectile disorder who have not been treated for, for a heart disease will have a heart attack. Six, I think it's like 67% for men over 45 who, have, uh, who are experiencing that. So it's serious. Get it checked out. Don't leave it to chance. Now, if for some reason this is just a one-off, you know, you were fine yesterday or three days ago, and today you just can't keep, keep your mind in the game, <laughs> then that's, you know, for, I would say for men, if this happens occasionally, then get yourself a cock ring, right? Like, just get it. It's not Have it with embarrassing. Your Bring it with you. Exactly. Travel with your cock ring, with your condoms. Have it all in a little naughty bag. Have a naughty yes. bag, guys. Ladies do. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, and even if, if you decide to keep lube too, make sure it's water-based <laughs> um, because all the other ones can cause um, damage to the toys. Um, they also can cause nasty things you don't want to happen. But basically water-based lube, keep it in your naughty bag. Water-based lube, condoms, a cock ring. And I would say women... Get a cock ring as well. Sure. You know, slide it on him, make it sexy. Exactly. Use some lube and slide it on, right? Um, and and in that moment, that's something you can you can do to help. If to you know, if yes, offer it. And if they're offended by it, they're lost, that's I on guess. them. <laughs> it is oh, right. It is on them. It is not your responsibility. Right. It's not on you to make this better. But if you have some things in your bag, like I said, just pull it out slide it on, um, ask them if they're open to it, you know, consent is sexy. So ask them if they're open to it and, All and about the help consent. them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So is it fair to say that, cause I've also had conversations with men, is it fair to say that watching, uh, too much porn and, and masturbating is not leading to men having erectile issues? Is that a myth that men it's think a myth. they're masturbating too much and therefore they're not able to be erect, get erect? That's a myth. Yeah, it's a myth. I mean, you, you men should um, ejaculate daily for prostate health. Um, so you could masturbate every wow, single day. Gentlemen. Okay. <laughs> and that would be fine. Um, if you are, I mean, now when it becomes a problem is if you are masturbating and ejaculating immediately prior to your encounter, because at that point you have you know, you have a refractory period and the older you get, the longer it takes for you to get a second erection after the first one. So if you've masturbated that morning or just before, then you're going to have more issues trying to that get, trying to maintain erection. That right. Makes sense. But if you masturbated yesterday and every day before that, then you should, it shouldn't be a problem today just because you've been, you've masturbated every day this week. Good. So tips. that's <laughs> so vibrators, uh, stimulation around the clitoris, Cock rings. Masturbation's good. Do it. Yes. For men and women. For men and women. Absolutely. Do you find that yeah. uh, women aren't masturbating as much as men? Or do we just not talk about it as much? We definitely don't talk about it um, as much. I don't know that we're not doing it as much. From most of the women I've interacted with don't have a problem with masturbating and probably have gotten more into it in their um, 30s and 40s than when they were in their 20s. But I mean, it's even even in marriage. I mean, I still masturbate in, as a married woman. It's not because I'm not getting enough or that I don't have options. It's still something pleasurable and enjoyable. So why, you know, why not? And it's um, a different experience. It is. I mean, masturbation isn't experience. the same as penetration. I, I don't, I don't. Right. I don't think at least, I mean, the experience is both equally 
yummy and I enjoy both, but it's different. I enjoy both right. experiences. So exactly. And I'm, I'm all for mutual masturbation as well. So, you know, it can be sexy to watch your partner masturbate. Absolutely. Let's talk about porn. What is your mm-hmm. point of view on porn? Porn can be, um, porn can have its place in, in your life. I don't, I don't think it's inherently bad. I, I think a lot of people think that if you watch porn, you have a porn addiction, which an addiction is where you're getting into trouble for it. Like if you're watching porn at work on your government computer, if you, you know, if you're doing things that could potentially cause you harm, that's when it becomes an addiction. But if you enjoy porn, I I say the best porn is ethically sourced porn. And you literally can Google ethically sourced porn um, and get a whole list of websites where the sex is consensual because all sex on Pornhub is not consensual. Um, It's also not the scripting is very male centric and male dominating. If you want something that's more loving or that's outside of Pornhub, (laughs) which is mainstream porn, then check out ethically sourced porn because you can find new things to do. It can help with arousal. So if you're not having spontaneous arousal, watching something that gives you a responsive arousal um, response. And I know that I'm you and for I, porn. we talked about this prior to the show. I had never heard, it's sad as a woman, I've never heard the term ethically sourced porn until you shared that with me. It troubles me that at this stage in my life, I have not heard of ethically sourced porn, Feel female produced porn. I never heard of it. Yes. Isn't that crazy? And it, and it, it's, I mean, I learned about it in doing my, um, my certificate in sexual health. So it's not just out there. Um, it's not a term that we use enough. I think, um, we have to use it so that folks, you know, can learn about it, but it's definitely ethically sourced porn. The majority of it is directed and produced by women. You know, there are some men out there who, who follow the guidelines for ethically. And I don't know what the guidelines are per se to be listed under ethically sourced other than I know there's consent is, a, is the biggest thing. And you can also find a variety. I mean, you can find woman point of view porn, which you don't find on, if you put in point of view, you, if you search point of view porn in the, the mainstream areas, you're always going to find male point of view, um, never female point of view. And you're not going to find romance in that kind of porn. So, I mean, if you're going to watch it, find something that you like and watch it together with your partner. If you, if you have a partner, it's, it's arousing. I mean, it's, it's something that can only add and enhance your um, experience. I agree. And I'm so grateful that you've brought this to our attention, ethically sourced porn. So here's another Mm -hmm. um, question, comment. I'd love your feedback. My experience right out of the gate when it came to being sexually active again after my divorce, I had never really had casual sex before. That was something, again, I was raised not to be sex positive. I was raised to, you know, you have sex with someone you're in a very serious relationship with, you are not having casual sex. Mm -hmm. Well, after my divorce, I decided I was going to enjoy some serious casual sex. So I did that. And, Mm -hmm. you know, obviously being thoughtful and safe about it. But one thing I did experience is that I, I had more... UTIs and other issues. So I'm mm-hmm. wondering if you could talk to our audience about if you if you are going to go down that path and, and have, you know, enjoy your sexual freedom and have more casual sex. How can you be smart? How can you be safe? How can you also avoid UTIs and having to take antibiotics, which, you know, is a pain and also expensive? Yes. 
So anytime you introduce a, a new um, host into the ecosystem, <laughs> that's Bring what I like science, to call it. Yes. You, you're going to disrupt the environment, right? So I did a lot um, of that after my divorce. <laughs> I disrupted <laughs> my environment a lot, but anyway. Yes. And it's okay. Um, but when you disrupt the environment, you're going to have, you're going to be out of balance, right? So there's good bacteria that keep the ecosystem like in its perfect balance. And so taking a probiotic is helpful so that you can, so that you keep in the good bacteria by be able to fight off, fight off bad bacteria and bad bacteria doesn't mean necessarily mean that you have an STI. You know, if you have BV, if you're getting yeast, um, infections or UTIs, those are not se sexually transmitted infections. They're not STIs. It's just a disruption in the normal environment that happens. And so condom use is very helpful. And then, and finding a condom that you want to get non-lubricated condoms Correct. because I the lubrication used on the, yes, yes. <laughs> the lubrication used on condoms creates an inhospitable ecosystem it gets it, it makes sure the does. ecosystem angry it really does <laughs> beyond um it's it, it can be really bad and so i don't know what the lubrication is that they use in i don't know what it is whatever it is it's not good so always get unlubricated condoms and use your own lube all right ladies so in your naughty bags you're going to have your non-lubricated condoms your water-based lubrication and your cock ring. Yes. And what else, Dr. INA? Some wipes. Some wipes. Just yes. Random wipes. wipes. Okay. Always baby wipes. Any like not hand sanitizer wipes, but like baby wipes are good because you you know you also want to clean up after yourself. <laughs> you, you know my my mom always said make sure you pee after you have sex. Now this doesn't mean you have to get up immediately and don't have cuddle time. Like you can wait a while. It's not going to happen immediately, but that actually cleans out the urinary tract. So that reduces the urinary tract infections. And then you want to wipe down, you know, you don't want to just leave it there while you, you know, and wait till you get home to shower or whatever. If you can't, if you're not taking a shower, baby wipes are helpful. Really great advice. Talk to me about how often women should be getting tested who are re-entering uh, the dating world, they're having more sex, they're having different partners. Is it every six months? Is it every year? Is it you know, obviously you have symptoms? I mean, talk to me about because some STIs, you don't have any symptoms and you like chlamydia, you don't right. have any symptoms if you have chlamydia for the most part, not always, but it's a very right. common STI with no symptoms. Right. So I would say um, every six months, or if you're, if you're changing partners often, if you have more, more than um, a few partners, within that six months, maybe four, every four months. So it just depends on, it depends. So I would say every six months as a rule of thumb, if you're having more than, more than a few partners within that six months time, then take it down to four months. Okay. And we're always using condoms, right? Yes. 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 <laughs> we're using condoms. We're using dental dams. So it's something that we haven't, that people don't think about anymore. It's like, this old 70s thing, <laughs> but dental dams are, are really good if you use them correctly. Stretch them out before you use them, place them over the vagina during oral sex, and you have an added barrier uh, protection for yourself. I have never used a dental dam in my life. I, I, that would be a first. Mm -hmm. 
but again, safety. So keeping that in mind, that's fantastic. Anything yes. else around it's, safety and, and being thoughtful about your health and, and others when you're entering? Um, I would pleasure. Yeah, I say it, again, if you there are certain conversations you should be able to have when when I, you know, before I started dating my now husband, I kept my results on my phone, a picture of my results on my phone. And I had no problem asking, do you have test results? Yes, I've had I've had those exchanges with partners and that's been very mm-hmm. positive. And I, I I always label it like, okay, we're gonna do some adulting right now. We're gonna have the <laughs> yes. talk before we become intimate. It's just mm-hmm. important it's important. And I think at this stage in life, people are used to having this type of conversation. Or right. hopefully have more comfort around having this type of conversation. Yes. Even if it's a spur like even if it's a a single time you're gonna ever see this person, you just you know, you go out for the first time and you decide you want to have sex with them. At that point, the point at which you know this is coming or you've decided, just at that point, ask the question, when was the last time you were tested? Do you have any recent test results? And they should be within the last six months. And if not, then? Um, you can just, you can decide, you know, you're an adult. You decide if you want to, if you want to take that risk or not. Right. But ask the question, love yourself and ask the question. And invest, oh, I would say invest in some flavored condoms as well. Okay. Um, I've never experienced it. I've never. Do you have a flavor you like that you can recommend? Um, I like mint or strawberry. I do not like the vanilla or chocolate ones, <laughs> but I'd say try it. Um, they're, they're unlubricated condoms you can use uh, for, for to oral. give a blowjob. For oral. Yeah. For safe oral sex. Mm-hmm. Do not use it for penetrative sex. Right. No, that would definitely irritate the ecosystem. Right. <laughs> Right. Yeah, that's when you want to take off that cherry flavored condom and put on a non lubricated yes. condom. Well, fun strawberry and what was the other one? Mint. Mint. Okay. Mm-hmm. Delicious. Wow, that yes. sounds sounds exciting. So here's a, a a question I must ask you on this episode: Is there such a thing as a selfish lover? No. No, a hard no. <laughs> Absolutely not. Sometimes you have to be selfish. It's about it's about giving and receiving pleasure. Receiving pleasure is a big part of having sex. And so, you know, when you're in a relationship or when you're having more than one sexual encounter with a person, it's a give and take. So I might be completely selfish now and completely selfless later, but it's not really selfish. It's allowing yourself to experience, to fully experience that pleasure. And a good sexual partner is going to want you to experience that pleasure. And I think at this stage in life, women know, we know our bodies really well. A lot of us, not all of us, but a lot of us have had children and we're just really comfortable in our bodies, much more so than we were mm-hmm. in our twenties. Right. And we know what's going to give us an orgasm. And if you're, if you're too in your head or if you're too, you know, if you're not, if you're trying to have an orgasm, you're not likely going to experience one. An orgasm is something you experience, not something you achieve. So sometimes you just have to be in that moment and allow the pleasure to wash over your body so that you can experience whatever that pleasure is going to bring. Because the more you try to bend the pleasure or you try to make it something other than what is going on in that moment, then you're going to deny yourself the true ecstasy of an experienced orgasm. And also you're connecting with another person and enjoying that connection, not just again, like you said, the outcome, which is an orgasm or what have you, but actually being present with that connection because I can give myself an orgasm. You know, I can, I can do that. I I can't do other things to myself the way that I 
can experience when I have a partner. And so, yeah, so the goal should not be the end. <laughs> the goal should be the pleasurable experience. And that and the end doesn't have to happen with the orgasm. So, you know, not every person has multiple orgasms, but everyone can continue to experience pleasure after the orgasm. Well, this has been a pleasurable conversation. <laughs> And I love that your passion is helping women find their pleasure. Yes. That's fantastic. That is so delicious and wonderful and empowering and keep doing what you're doing for women and men. I think this type of conversation, the type that we just had is important to, to have candid conversations around sex. Yes. We should be able to talk about sex the way you talk about the weather, the way you talk about anything. Like I like to say, you know, I woke up today, I brushed my teeth, I had an orgasm, maybe had some coffee, whatever. Like it should flow. That is so not a Midwestern of- experience, but I put it out there and see. I know you, you live in Atlanta, right? Yes. I'm in the Bible Belt. <laughs> okay. Are, are people in the Bible Belt including their daily orgasm when they discuss their day? They are not. They are not. But, but we need to. This is my this is my dream that you can talk about pleasure and you can talk about sex and we can say the words penis and vulva in everyday conversation and it not create blushing or turning or you know it should just be part of the conversation i agree well thank you again dr ina for this candid informative juicy and delicious chat now how can our listeners learn more about your services find you on social media? Can you share your website? Yeah. So my website is bepositivelyintimate.com. You can find me at Positively Intimate on all social media outlets. On Clubhouse, I'm at Dr. Ina, A-Y-A-N-A-Y. And so, yeah, so I'm, I'm just about everywhere. Fantastic. Well, now everyone, be sure to go and treat yourself to some water-based lubrication, some flavored condoms, a new fun bedroom toy, and make your post-divorce pleasure journey even more delicious. Yes. Yes. Be sure to also follow, subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. You can also follow Sadie's Divorced and Happy Podcast on Instagram and Facebook, and be sure to visit us at divorcedandhappy.net. I'm your host, Sadie Marie, and I cannot wait to connect with you soon on the next podcast episode. Until then, you take good care.